Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 and welcome to another fantastic episode of Nerd Talk, the premier forward game show, hosted by two brothers and a third guy, only live from Simon's basement. No, not in the basement anymore. Simon's paid for Matt's basement and Adam's basement. I'm your father, son, and the goalie host, Simon Pazzo, joined in solidarity by my faithful squad mates, Adam Pazzo and Matthew Manway. How we did I almost got it. It's not the worst <laughs> mispronunciation I've ever heard. Matt Menier, I am so sorry. How are we doing, lads? We're doing okay. Pretty Trying good. To get everything I just, done. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just finished putting up the Christmas tree right before we recorded, so that was nice to get done. To be fair to my mispronunciation, Matt, I am on a lot of painkillers right That is fair. Woo, we yeah. are flying. <laughs> okay, well... It's been a productive few weeks. This is our uh, pre-holiday uh, season episode, pre-Christmas episode. I'm sure there'll be some games under various... Actually, you know what I want to add? Once once we get to the end of this, instead of asking what you guys have been playing, I'm curious are what games you have anticipated underneath your tree. Because it always seems like we get a couple, right? And it's always, was someone in your life listening and they, they heard about a game that you liked but you didn't want to buy it? Like, for example, Adam... Do not buy God of War on PS5 in the next three weeks. Whoops. Unless you already have. No, I haven't. Did you? I, no. <laughs> okay, I've been thinking about it because I saw the DLC, but I have not I mean, yeah, it we'll now. get to that moment in a second, but okay, so other than that, well, maybe we'll go to Matt first. Matt, is there a game that you think you've dropped enough hints that you haven't bought for yourself that you're looking forward to being under the tree? Um, I don't know specifically about presents, but I am planning on picking up Super Mario Wonder to play with my wife over Christmas break. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, apparently it's a very good multiplayer game, according to the Game Awards and everybody else. Um, but uh, you know what? I, I have a big enough of a backlog. I didn't feel the need to ask for uh, for any gaming stuff this year. There you go. There you go. Adam, do you have anything other than what I just said? What do you think? Uh, I'm, the, I'm trying to think of we one of them. Each other's Steam summer sales or whatever. Yeah, or I, Christmas sales, obviously. Jesus, I am lacking. A, 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 nothing's jumping to mind. I'm trying to think of. There you go. There's a bunch oh. of the stuff I'm waiting for just hasn't been released yet. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently yeah. struggling to not buy Final Fantasy 16 on sale right now, uh, but. I have so many things, and finally some time to play. So I, I'm gonna try and keep it uh, keep it with what I already got. Bang on a couple of those. Actually, you know, I want to go back to the Super Mario Wonder thing because it's obviously a big game that none of us have talked about. I also have it on my list to buy. Uh, more so when I have the spare funds because Mario games do not go on sale. But I was Never. I, I should have looked it up beforehand. You just reminded me of it now. I remember I was listening to a video essay on Super Mario Wonder. And they were talking about how Super Mario Wonder has, like, I think six? Something like that? Six or four or eight? Some even number of that. Of, that, of the guys, of, like, the ten guys who worked on the original Mario, like, the first one ever. Like, a few, a good proportion of the original Mario creators are still there, right? So, obviously, I mean, Koji Kondo's still there, obviously, uh... Miyamoto's still there, and they still worked on Wonder, and there's a few other people. So, like, 
when we talk about games and with the game awards, I we'll we'll get to there in a second. But one of the things that seems to be popular now is from the creators of this, who were like pissed off at Blizzard, and then they went off and started their own company, right? Nintendo doesn't seem to have that problem. Whatever they do at Nintendo, other companies should study because they have the original innovators from fucking 40 years ago that are still killing it to this day. Whereas every other company seems to be... Like, I play a lot of Overwatch 2 still, and it's the big thing. Oh, man, we long for the days of the original Blizzard people. Or, like, all the new Mass Effect I'm excited for. Does it have anybody who worked on Mass Effect 1? I doubt it. Doesn't have any of the writers, probably. So... Props to Super Mario Wonder, A, for probably being pretty darn good for Nintendo, but also for having that longevity, I guess. Like, I, someone I saw online used the Ship of Theseus metaphor for a lot of game companies, right? They took out a part, they put a new part in. It's not the same company. It's got the same name. Not the same company. Mm-hmm. Nintendo actually is. Snaps yeah. to them. Well, they, the studios tend to have their sort of, like, big success, their moment in the sun, and then they get bought, and then they get shitty, and then all of the, like, important employees leave and go start their own things. But, like, like Nintendo is just so much, like, strongly doing their own thing for so long, and they're just too big, really, to be realistically bought by anybody. It's, like, it's nice that you just sort of have this, like, actual continuous thing where you know what you can expect from Nintendo, you know, at 10, 20 years from now, probably. And I think it helps that, that their mission statement hasn't changed. Yeah. Okay, Adam, good. We must be brothers or something, because we both jumped in with the exact same point. Yeah. yeah. The mission statement of have fun hasn't changed to microtransact the fuck out of your consumers. Well, and it, and it helps that, like, the other alternatives are, like, I mean, Nintendo, they're, Nintendo has historically made other stuff, but primarily they've been a game company for at least the last 40 years whereas both the other two titans sony and microsoft they did other things they just also happened to make games so they've had other priorities by virtue of that fact whereas nintendo's like nope have fun play games that's just that's the only thing we do so we're not worried about you know micromanaging everything else yeah, Sony, the TV manufacturer, can kind of just say to the PlayStation guys, like, hey, you kind of need to bump your numbers a little bit. And then, you know, suddenly all the publishers or all the developers are having to squeeze all this extra stuff into their games. But, like, Nintendo's just Nintendo. No one's telling them anything. I mean, that's true, obviously, that Sony and Microsoft aren't going to go bankrupt if they're game things. But I would love to see the new numbers because, like, don't we hear a stat every couple of years that the video game industry makes more than, like, the music industry and the film industry combined? Oh, yeah, it's gigantic. Yeah, so it it must be... They're, they're probably going to get to a tipping point. Sony especially, you'd think, because they're, I mean, what do they make, TVs? Everyone makes TVs. Sony makes Buy everything. A, yeah, it's kind of like a... Like Panasonic. Then we make uh, TVs, and then we make a tuba, and we're also going to make a motorcycle. <laughs> Makes sense. We yeah. make things that make noise. And, like, all very well, somehow. <laughs> yeah, bizarre. Anyway, so let's talk about the Game Awards. I uh, watched... I had all of it on while I was around, is how I'll phrase it. Um, but I don't know about you, Matt. My interest sort of petered out over time. It came out very strong. I think the thing that we were, I mean, the fact that I said I don't get excited about any game unless it's uh, an existential crisis on a boat, and then like two minutes later they announced a Dredge Day of the Diver crossover, that was pretty freaky. 
but then the God of War doing what I'm sure we all love and saying, hey, actually, it's out, like, now, basically. And it's and free. And it's free. And, like, the the ultimate two-hit punch, I don't think, I mean, Matt, it might be a little bit different for you because you had a, a significant reveal later. I, I actually had a hard time keeping interest for the entire rest of the show, pretty much. Because, like, what is this show? Is it is it the Game Awards or is it E3 where everyone brings it? Like, it it should not be more trailers than awards. I'm pretty sure it's it just, just the game industry masturbating in your face is what it is. Jeff Keighley specifically masturbating Hideo Kojima in your <laughs> yeah, face. Yeah. Let's make sure we get it right. Which is, like, great to have Hideo, Hideo Kojima there and it's great to have Jordan Peele there. But they're there kind of talking about a trailer where we see a CGI face for what felt like 10 minutes out of a four-hour show. And then you have the best of the game of the year, and they have like a 30-second speech time? What? Why are we... It's like a new puppy syndrome, right? Like, why are we more excited about the new things than the things that have done it and succeeded? I want to hear more from the people who made the games that... Are nominated. I don't just want to see CGI cutscenes for four hours. I don't know. I yeah. still enjoyed it, and it, it's it's good that it happens, but a little bit of lost the plot, I think. Yeah, I feel like when something that you're excited for gets announced, it's obviously very exciting, as I can tell you from experience. Um, but like, it does make the whole thing feel a little bit cheap compared to like the Emmys or the Oscars or the Tonys or something like that. You know, like the Oscars aren't showing movie trailers for the next Marvel whatever. Um, and certainly not for like direct to home, like video type stuff like they do with mobile games and all that stuff at the Game Awards. Um, it does feel like it sort of cheapens the whole thing. And But like, it's become such an ingrained part of it. I think if they stripped that away, they would lose a lot of the hype for the event. Um, and I think there are, there are some things about video game awards not the game awards specifically but just any video game awards show versus like a movie or tv awards show that make it a little like inherently i feel like the awards are a little less interesting and i was trying to figure out why the other day and i think it sort of comes down to two things where like when people win like at the oscars right you have actors that you know and like you have directors that you know and like but there's no, like, there aren't really equivalents for that for video games. I know there are, like, actor and director awards. But, like, you don't see actors in the game. You don't really see... I mean, you, you sort of can, but it's not on the same scale for seeing directors as compared to movies. Um, and uh, it just sort of like yeah, I feel like you have a little bit of less of a personal connection to the people that are actually winning the awards. And then the other mm -hmm. one I was thinking of was that like video games just take a long time to get through, right? Like you could watch all of like every nominated uh, best picture nominated movie at the Oscars in like half the time that it took me to play through Act One of Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, so you just exactly. can't interact with as many things, so people don't know as much of the stuff. So I feel like it's it's a little bit harder to like have that connection to the actual awards. So they need to like fill it in with all this other stuff to like get the excitement going. I I think at least. 
I, I mean, I think you're you're bang on that that they uh, the the problem with games is as you described. So I won't even go into it. Obviously, you can't play them all. And it's like when I was at TIFF, like the Toronto Film Festival, which I don't. I think they may have had like a film festival awards, right? Even that, like there are people like I I interacted with people I was sitting next to that just sit there and they watch movies all day for a week straight, and then they've seen all the movies. You. Even if you took a week off of work, you couldn't possibly play all the games, right? Yeah, just, you might get through one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just chrono- chronically impossible. Um, what's we're looking for? Chronologically. Yeah, whatever. I'm going to stick with that. Chronologically, but is it? You could play them all. Whatever. I'm not going to worry about my words it's, today. It's impossible time-wise. <laughs> it's impossible time-wise. Thank you. There we go. We got it. It. So, yeah, but I think kind of um, dare I say pouring yourself out a little bit to Hollywood doesn't necessarily work. Especially, I mean, you kind of saw a difference, I think, between someone like uh, Jordan Peele, who clearly was a big fan of game. I think he was still out there for too long. Um, but he, I think he was felt his enthusiasm felt more genuine than whatever the fuck Anthony Mackie was doing. That was so to weird. Three guys in the audience. It's like, dude, like... I'm one of the three people who saw Twisted Metal, and still, please shut the fuck up. <laughs> that was so friggin' weird. I think he probably just watched a clip of Keanu doing the your breathtaking thing, and he was like, right, crowd work, that's what I gotta do. It's like, no, just get up there and Not do like that. Or maybe Not one like thing. That. Don't keep having, like, a two-minute-long conversation with the people yelling out in the crowd that we can't hear on TV. Yeah, don't be waiting for them to respond to you. Uh, but I think the other thing is, and we learned this with, what's his name, Sean Murray, the No Man's Sky guy, that a lot of times, like, if you're an actor or a director, your, we'll use the D&D terms, your charisma score has got to be fairly high. Uh, if you're a game developer, not necessarily, right? Like, yeah. you probably are, charisma might be a dump stat for you. So you might have to, like, we see, we've seen that a lot of times, where if they don't have somebody who's good at PR, who's good at talking, to actually get up there and sell the thing then you can kind of have this awkward moment but still like i would have loved to i mean the fact that Baldur's gate has blown up so much and i do want to get into the award winners in a second here is is partly because both the developers as well as the cast like everybody kind of made themselves available for the fans to latch on to that's why it's i think obviously it was a wonderful game but then they won the best community award that's why because you can in the same way that you could with Spider-Man 2018 and with God of War, right? You could name the directors, you could name some of the people. I think that's really important. Um, but yeah. Because we'll, yeah, we don't get that song. for most stuff, you know? No. Yeah. I And and I'm a big fan of behind the scenes stuff. And I think a lot of gamers are. Like, we want to know who made the decisions, who did the things, how did this stuff come about? So we, we want to know the how the sausage is made, so to speak. Anyway, let's get to the awards and we can keep chatting about it there. So Game of the Year, uh, to the surprise of perhaps only <laughs> the game director, Twen, uh, went to Baldur's Gate. Because in his award, that was or his speech, which was like 45 seconds long, it felt like, uh, before they started playing music, he said that he no longer expected it. I think Alan Wake put the fear of God into him. Yeah, I think so too. When they won, I mean, even for me, when Alan Wake won Best Direction, I was like, oh, maybe, because that's a big one. But uh, yep. yeah, we love our fins. Yeah, Alan Wake that that probably has send them, but Baldur's Gate did deserve that. I mean, I'm sure Alan Wake does too. 
Alan Wake, I'll definitely get to it once we've uh, replayed the first one. As you just said, Matt, it won Best Game Direction, Best Adaptation, went to The Last of Us. Yep, that checks out, even though Anthony Mackie was there. Unlike Idris Elba, <clears throat> too important. Best Narrative went to Alan Wake 2. I think we actually predicted that one, right? Yeah, I think so. Because Al, uh, Baldur's Gate 3's narrative wasn't exactly its strong start. Uh, best Art Direction, Alan Wake 2, that checks out. Um, best Score in Music went to Final Fantasy 16. Best Audio Design, Hi-Fi Rush. Best Performance, Neil Newborn in uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, best Innovation and Accessibility went to Forza Motorsport. None of us saw that coming, but if they are as they claim and blind people are able to play Forza Motorsport, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm not even sure what that would look like if it looks like anything, but that being a thing, just even as a concept, is, is pretty great. So, Yeah. Uh, games for Impact went to Chia. Best ongoing game went to Cyberpunk 2077. And then this is what actually kind of annoyed me. They have all these categories, and mostly the ones that I just read were the ones that actually got up on screen. But a lot of times you would see three trailers for a generic fantasy or space or something, and so many guns. A lot of guns in games. I feel like I'm just bored of guns. I got to the Suicide Squad thing. I'm like, oh, I like that. That's superhero. Oh, no. They just guns. all have guns, huh? Yeah more and more guns so it'd be like we see three trailers and then jeff Keeley's up on screen he's like okay let's do five awards in 30 seconds I'm like what i said what is this anyway uh let's keep going best ongoing game like i said best community support Baldur's gate 3 yep best indie game sea of stars i think we predicted that good for us best indie debut game cocoon won that i mean there are a lot of people who are way into pizza tower that's the game that I did not know about really at all before coming into this event. That I saw a lot of people talking about. People were particularly annoyed uh, that Gonzo, that's his name, right? Gonzo the, the Muppet? Yeah. Yeah. So he comes in, and he had longer to talk, I think, also. He had longer to do a chicken rant than they did for the award for the best game of the year, which was very odd. But... He does a whole rant on chickens, and then apparently a chicken is like a main character in Pizza Tower. We'll have to look that up. People were pissed off about that. It's like he introduced best indie game, but he didn't talk about the chickens in that game. I don't know. That was just, is Gonzo popular now? Keanu said that to me the other day. We were at the Jets game, and they had to do like a this or that, like a quote. And it was like Gonzo versus the Cookie Monster. I'm like, obviously, Cookie Monster. She's like, hold on. Kids like Gonzo. What? I mean, the Muppets are pretty great. Like, I'm but almost surprised at their staying power when, like, pop culture, not because they don't deserve it, but just I always expect older things to kind of fade, but they really stick around. They've found a way. Uh, where were we here? Best mobile game? Uh, never even heard of any of those, to be honest with you. Uh, Resident Evil Village VR won best VR game. That would legitimately i think scared the shit out of me given that i'm playing resident evil village as we yeah, speak yeah i bet it's great no thanks. <laughs> yeah best action game these are some of the ones that got just raced through armored core uh six one best action game best action act, adventure game legend of zelda tears of the kingdom i bet nintendo was real thankful they didn't get swept best rpg Baldur's gate 3 best 
fighting game, Street Fighter, best family game, Super Mario Wonder, best sim strategy game, Pikmin 4. I think we predicted that too because the other ones were not worth discussing. Uh, best sports slash racing game, Forza Motorsport, best multiplayer, Baldur's Gate 3, most anticipated, Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2, aka Rebirth. So I, we did, I think, decent on our predictions, I would say. But yeah, nothing the, uh, was like super shocking, I thought. Here's a little bit of trivia for you guys. What is the only, to this date, believe it or not, the only Marvel game to have won a game award? And what was the award? Because uh, Spider-Man 2 went 0 for 7. I mean, I don't know where I would have put them in there, to be honest. Did, like, Midnight Suns win something? Nope. No, no, no. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's a game that only I played. Oh, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy! It won Best Narrative, yes. didn't it? It won Best Narrative, yeah. yeah. Still the only Marvel game that's ever done, that's ever won an award, which is crazy considering what the Spider-Mans have done and how impactful they've been. But it's, it's a good game. I think that game got absolutely cannibalized by everyone's hate for the Avengers. Because everyone saw them and it's like, I don't recognize these guys. They look like off-brand Guardians of the Galaxy. And then you see the Avengers game, which is off-brand Avengers, and it's like, well, if the Avengers game sucks, the Guardians of the Galaxy game must suck. But unfortunately, it does not suck. Well, I mean, fortunately, it doesn't. Yeah, it's like, I know these two things look exactly the same, it. but one is trash and one is great. You just have to believe me. Yeah, yeah, trust. <laughs> trust. One is single-player and one is not. There you yeah. go. There's the answer. Okay, so let's move to announcements. Uh, I think this will be fairly quick honestly we talked about a few things already i mean hideo kojima had his game but we know nothing about it there's so many games got announced and like we don't know anything about them and and maybe i'm getting older because i'm where adam was now four years ago and i'm just saying if it's not gameplay pretty much every time a game came up i'm like that looks that looks neat but what am i doing yeah i've seen too many really cool cinematic trailers for terrible games it can't really it doesn't show you anything past the concept so i'm i'm very weary of them now yeah well okay so i'll leave the big one for last matt um but free god of war uh, dlc comes out as we record it comes out tomorrow a blade game is being announced by arcane studios the guys who did uh, dishonored and Deathloop. i know i just said i don't like cinematic trailers but the blade trailer did look awesome and to be fair if we're looking at a studio and a guy, I mean, they had the, the director on stage with them and he did a little kick and that looked pretty cool. That studio is what, three for three? Dishonor, both one and two were good. I can confirm Deathloop, uh, two, Deathloop is also really good. And I can also confirm because they said it, that's going to be third person. So they got me. I already had to struggle through Deathloop, but it was first person. If it's third person, you know I'll be there. Adam, you're the biggest Dishonor fan of the group. Yeah, I, so I, that, I'm very uh, interested in that. Yeah, I really like Dishonored. Dishonored 1 was great. Dishonored 2 was good, but I actually didn't think it was as good. Um, but yeah, I will be... You didn't be, play Deathloop, correct? I did not play Deathloop. That is true. Yeah. Maybe that could be uh, another option for Christmas. Anyway, uh, No Man's Sky developer had a new game, but like, sure, Final Fantasy 16 DLC. I mean, there's a lot of these things. The one that I got, I've been... This is the problem with the Game Awards too, and Matt, you're probably in this boat. A lot of these games... Let me back up. 
there were no universal killer trailers. I think I can comfortably say that, right? There was no Elden Ring DLC trailer. That would have been a big one, right? There was the Final Fantasy one, and Final Fantasy is pretty universal, but there wasn't something that would just, like, floor everybody this year as far as I was concerned. So when people got excited, it was because your little niche got excited. There's one of the announcements that I'm now forgetting which one, where I thought, yeah, here it is. Uh, it's Exodus. It's a bunch of ex-Bioware developers who are making a new sci-fi RPG called Exodus. So there's the ship of Theseus thing. I'm going to follow the Bioware people, see what they're doing. And then just because I've been following it for what feels like a half a decade, Skull and Bones finally got a release date. So I'll once again get to be a pirate. Yeah, do look neat. Honestly, I'm looking. I'm I'm rereading them with the intention of like saying them here on air. Nothing. I mean, look it up yourself, people, because I don't think anything here is so astonishing that I need to. I, I don't. I'm not like grabbing my microphone and shaking it and saying, "Hey, have you guys seen anything?" Like you know. Yeah, well, there's there's no the there's no you know GTA six. There's no Breath of the Wild three. Um, you know, I'm extremely excited about one of them, and like I think some other there's a few others that look really cool. Um, I think Black Black Myth Wukong or Black Sun Wukong looks awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, there's no like this is taking the world by storm, the biggest game of the next few years type of trailer in this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, there was something that got you excited, though. Yes. Uh, how's that? How's that new Monster Hunter looking? Is this finally going to be the one? I see it's on PC. Well, yes. that was all on PC. Can I get this on PC? Can I join your Monster Hunter party in twenty twenty five? Yeah, apparently. So, like, Monster Hunter World and Rise, the last two ones did eventually come out for pc but they were both delayed launches but apparently um capcom is going all in on pc they they said something along the lines of we expect like 60 percent or something like that of our total sales to be on pc by 2025 2026 something like that um so it should be i it, it would be shocking if this wasn't like a across all platforms simultaneous release um, which is not at all the way that Monster Hunter's been in the past. So, yeah, I would super expect it to be day one on PC. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, let's not think about the fact that we'll be 32 when that comes out. But Yeah, uh, I was pretty sad when I saw 2025. <laughs> that's that's that the hurts. longest they've ever had between an announcement and a release of a Monster Hunter game. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is part of the reason why... I, I think, Simon, I sent you a snap about this. The like Monster Hunter fandom online has been doing absolutely nothing except speculating when the next game was going to be announced for the last few months, and mm -hmm. people were pretty much confirmed. It's like they're not announcing anything at the Game Awards because Dragon's Dogma Two is coming out in the spring, and they always have a short time between announcement and release, so they wouldn't cannibalize their own games. They're not going to do that, and so then when it actually happened, I think everyone was really surprised. Yeah, that was a quite an interesting video because I had no idea the intense, the, the lore, as I said, that was going around the Monster Hunter release. But that's exciting. Really exciting. And that maybe that'll be the one where I'll, I'll, I'll take the plunge myself. Do it. Uh, okay, so there are more things we want to talk about. Have either of you guys uh, dipped the toes back into Baldur's Gate 3 now that there is an epilogue? 
I have not. I have been concurrently playing Monster Hunter World and Monster Hunter Rise <laughs> for like the last three weeks. So that's like all I've been doing. What a guy. Okay, Adam. Uh, uh sorry. I uh, I restarted, so I'm I'm back in Act One. Um, but I haven't put like excellent solid time into it. I have such wonderful news for you, Adam. There is something that you can do right now. Well, everyone can do it. Um, that we we're really not sure if it's a glitch, if it's a bug or a feature, is what I'm saying. And I'll I'll, I'll leave it there for a split second. So I still have just been playing Baldur's Gate like crazy. I gotta be honest with you. I think my Steam time played is up to like 300 hours or <laughs> something ludicrous like that. And I have at least four playthroughs. Or did I just start a fifth? I don't remember. So I have the one that I played ever so briefly with, with you two. I have another one that I'm playing with other online friends. I have my main character, uh, Keth, as we as Adam is familiar with, who's now gone through. He's the one I did the epilogue with, so I'll talk about that in a second. I have my Dark Urge playthrough, where I named the guy Dirk, because I was like, I just want to call him Dirge, but that's not really a name. So I went with Dirk, uh, who's an evil dragonborn. I'm actually just entered Act 3. I'm in Baldur's Gate with him. The game is a lot shorter when you just kill people because that ends up cutting off a lot of quest lines. So, like, I showed up. I found Gale. Immediately cut his hand off. So there goes Gale. Found Will. Will was like, hey, we gotta go kill this Carlac person. I'm like, cool. We went. We killed Carlac. <laughs> then I killed the, uh, sided with the goblins instead of the tieflings because the tieflings were annoying. Well, that was enough for Will to say fuck off. And, uh, yeah, I really don't have that many squad members, and thus my- and everyone that I run into. Like, if they annoy me, I kill them. I play my- my Dark Urge character as a true sociopath, in that he- he- his emotions are- he's like Tom Cruise. It, when he's nice to you, he's like the nicest guy in the world. Like, I'll go out of my way to help people sometimes, and I feel like he just wants to feel good at the moment. But if you piss him off even a little bit, and you're in a dark corner, you're dead. You're 100% dead. So, that's really fun. But you can actually, if in case you guys are curious, or anyone out there curious, you can actually play the Dark Urge on, like, a redemption run. So that's fun. By initiating a Dark Urge playthrough, you're not guaranteeing that you're going to be evil. I just wanted to be evil for fun. Anyway, so that's the four. And then I just started another one yesterday with Kiana. And we're doing that split screen on the uh, PS5. Because I think crossplay is the last big feature that we're probably expecting to come via patch. And then, presumably, hopefully, DLC expansion, something. Who knows? I had a thought, though, today, which is, will my love of Baldur's Gate be enough to get me over the hump and get me to finish Divinity Original Sin 2? Oh, yeah. Because, Adam, I think, I think you and I played, like, 20 minutes of that. Yeah. And we're like, this is an awful lot. And then yeah. we stopped. Yeah. Like holy shit! But now, but now you're on board with all with all the stuff. Could be could be a little easier. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so here's it's a great the thing time. I want it's to, a great time. I believe it. Yeah. Here's the thing that I want to tell you. So, minor spoilers, I suppose, for Act One, something that we're all past. There's a unique mechanic in Baldur's Gate called temporarily hostile. Mm-hmm. So, if you steal from somebody, for example, they'll be temporarily hostile. Where if you knock them out and then they come back later they'll get over it, right? Right. You can do that as of right now, as of recording. It hasn't been patched out, so we really don't know. Is this a bug? Is this a feature? Who knows? You can do that with Minthara in Act 1. 
So if you get into a fight with her and knock her out, no good. She's pissed at you. If you steal something in front of her, making her temporarily hostile, and then knock her out, and then while she's knocked out, clear out the rest of the goblin camp, and move on to Act 2. I haven't actually got far enough with that character to test it, but other people have said it's true. You can then recruit Minthara as a good character. Oh my god! So because of that weird loophole, that's why we don't know if it's a bug or a feature. Did they intend for you to do this? If so, why not let her be knocked out, period? Why... Make us steal something in front of her. And if it's a bug, then, well, get to it and steal something in front of Minthara while you can. Because this is a unique opportunity that you have to actually legitimately recruit everybody on a good playthrough. Something that we couldn't do a month ago. So there you go. Give that a shot. As if the goblin camp wasn't tough enough. Call on the ogres. They'll help you out. Anyway, the, uh, the epilogue is... The best way to describe it is it's sort of like a diet version of the Citadel DLC. That's, okay. that's the best way I can describe it. It's it's clearly separate from the game. What I was thinking if when it when I like went into it originally was that it would be like Dragon Age. To me, that's my favorite epilogue, I think, in one of these type of games so far, right? You have the fight, and then afterward, before the credits roll, you uh you can have like a giant party with everybody, right? Yeah. So if Alistair is the king, then you can go talk to Alistair and stuff like that. In this, not the case. It happens. I won't. It, it is revealed on Twitter, the the uh, the thing that happens. So it's. I, but I'm assuming that neither of you guys know. So it happens like six months later. You're all brought together again. I'll just say it. It's very contrived. Withers sends everybody a party invitation. Just like the, uh, of course he does. The the just like the trailer says, it's you legitimately get a letter letter from wizards saying come to a party, fun is mandatory, and so then all the characters come. But the beauty of that is, you don't just get to see you don't just get to say goodbye to your friends and be like hey see you later, like good luck, and they're like oh, I'm gonna do this right. You actually get to talk to them then. It's like oh what have you been up to in the last six months? Oh I've been up to this. I've been up to this. Your character also gets up to stuff. If you have a love interest, you probably have a life together. What does that look like? So it's actually very well done. I don't think it was it's nowhere near as long as like the party from the Citadel DLC. But in terms of an epilogue and getting you to feel some closure with the characters, nailed it. Loved it. And they even uh, have a letter from the fans, or letter to the fans from the developers. It's like literally a letter. It's easy to miss. You'll see it. It'll be good. You guys will get there. Okay. Is that what you were thinking? What would, before you knew what the epilogue was, like before they announced it, what would you have wanted it to be? I mean, it, that's hard I mean, to I answer because like I haven't seen the ending. That concept for it. <laughs> Touche. Okay. Matt, <laughs> go ahead. I mean, yeah, I kind of just like, if there are any sort of like loose hanging threads, just a little bit to patch that up is nice. I, I kind of prefer doing that through like a gameplay mission or something and not maybe just like a conversation at the end. But like, I, I still like having that opportunity to just go around and like, here's everybody you might want to talk to, um, you know, just go and have a nice little chat before the end. I, I, I do like that concept. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a one conversation that you've done, but it's not a super long thing. I think probably all told, taking your time and talking to everybody, it probably took about an hour. But, you know, that's still better than nothing. But just as like a free update and just like, hey, here's the next patch, throwing in something like that is honestly pretty great. Yeah, like the last patch was so big that they recommended just deleting the game and re-downloading it. Because the game is already like 130 gigs, and I think the patch was 95 gigs. Yeah, but after it monstrous. was unpacked, it was only like uh, 15 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. All right. I'm sure we'll have time to talk. Will Baldur's Gate become the next Mass Effect? Who knows? It In terms might. of will we reference it every week? I say that as I drink out of my Mass Effect Commander Shepard's helmet mug that I just got in about 35 minutes ago. Pretty excited about that. I also got in my uh, Mass Effect Star Projector. So I'm going to have fun with that later. All right, so let's move briefly into movies because this crazy movie came out called Godzilla. A little known character. Only been around since like 1956, I think. And uh, Matt, I was kind of, I that movie had been on my radar. I was planning on going see, to see it, to be honest. I wasn't even, I mean, I was probably going to drag Keanu along with me, but I wasn't even going to ask anybody else because I was like, this might be too niche. Like, it's a Godzilla movie, but it's not an American Hollywood one. Uh, it's in Japanese. I'll just go see this on my own. And then I was absolutely flabbergasted to see the, the, uh, the invite from you. And good God, did that movie not disappoint. That was very good. Yeah, it was. That was, that was really something. So, I know you have a little bit of history with Godzilla. I also have a little bit of history with Godzilla. I want to hear from you after. And then, Adam, I want to hear from you, too. Because, A, you should see this movie, but, B, you've seen some Godzilla movies. I remember being a kid, I think I think the first Godzilla movie we saw was 1998, tragically. Right? The American one? The one with uh, Green Day as the That was the first one I track. I think I saw a Japanese one first. I mean, I saw the American one, obviously, okay. which is awful. But Oh, no, was, wasn't it 2000 that was the shitty the, one? Or is that the good one? I can't remember. Right, so the American one came out in 98. Okay. And Godzilla 2000, which came out around the same time, was the Japanese one that you and I both saw, where he fights, like, the alien that comes from space. And by yeah. the way, if people want to... I, I was reminded by a, um, a, a YouTuber viewer, and so I went back and confirmed it. If you watch the American trailer for Godzilla 2000, it's set to Super Beast. That's a bitchin' trailer. <laughs> you almost don't need to watch the movie. But, though, like, that was in the as people would say, the original era of Godzilla, which is crazy because it's been going, I think this is like the 30-something movie. At the time, I think that was like the 26th. I'm getting yeah, I think Minus One is the sure. 33rd Godzilla movie. I looked it up. It's some, it, yeah. Not exactly, but it's something like that. Yeah, so we'll get a little bit of, of Godzilla history, although I really want to point out there's a couple channels, like From the Depths is a wonderful channel that I've seen a lot of videos from. Wikizilla, I think, is another channel. Godzilla YouTube is alive, it is thriving, it is wonderful. I remember being at, like, day camp back when I was sick. Remember day camp, guys? That was fun. And I was hanging out with a guy, and he was way into monster movies. So he told me about, like, oh, you gotta watch, like, Dracula, and you gotta watch The Wolfman, and you gotta watch these Godzilla movies. And I was like, okay, okay. So I went home, and I watched a few, including Godzilla 2000, as Adam, you know. And then we got that wonderful GameCube game, Godzilla Destroy All Monsters, I think it was. Which yeah. was also just fun as hell. So Godzilla was kind of in our minds. Then we played, or then we watched the American movie. And that wasn't great. 
But what's interesting is up until then, and even Godzilla 2000, it was still played by man in suit, right? But 2004, they do, I think it's Godzilla Royal Rumble or Godzilla Killing the Monster. It's got something like that, uh, is the name of the Godzilla movie that came in 2004. And that was the final one. Final Wars! Duh! <laughs> I should have known. Godzilla Final Wars. So that was kind of where they retired the man in suit. And then Godzilla, one of the chief monsters in all of cinema, goes dormant for like 12 years until 2016, I believe it is, right? When Gareth Edwards comes in. No, 2014. When Gareth Edwards makes his Godzilla movie, the American one, Legendary Pictures. That movie is so great. And like... It's easy to be like, oh, we, we hate the 98 one. Maybe a lot of Godzilla purists don't like the American ones. No, I think the, I think Godzilla himself in the American movies is good. So the Gareth Edward ones is good. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I'm one of the four people who saw that one too. I kind of love that movie. And I unabashedly had a great time with Godzilla and King Kong. I rewatched the cinema wins for it today too, to remind myself. <laughs> and he has, it makes a good point. If you're not excited by seeing Godzilla punch King Kong... Why are you watching movies? Because <laughs> who doesn't want to watch giant lizard punch giant monkey? Right? We're simple people. But Shin Godzilla, Matt, you and I have both seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That was the first Toho Godzilla movie. So Toho, the original company, right? That was the first yep. Toho Godzilla made movie since Final Wars in 2004. So that was a 12-year gap for them. As you people... And that, that I mean, not just YouTube, but everyone out there, you may or may not know, I'm going to continue to be on my soapbox before I pass the mic to Matt here. The original Godzilla came out like seven years after the bombs were dropped on Japan. So in the Godzilla obviously kind of became a cultural icon and synonymous with Japan and kind of a joke. And he had like son of Godzilla and he had his own rogues gallery and really more of an antihero. But the first Godzilla movie, Gojira, straight up a villain. Godzilla is terrifying. He is terrifying because he was created out of nuclear anxiety uh, for a country that had just had two nuclear bombs dropped on them. It's it's a frightening thing, and Godzilla should be absolutely linked with anti-war, anti-nuclear weapons, frankly, anti-government. Right? He's he's connected with those in a way that. He doesn't just function as a monster. He's more of a cultural icon in that way. I'm explaining it very poorly because, again, so many painkillers for the people out there. I have fractured ribs right now. But Shin Godzilla brought that back in a very interesting way. And, Matt, I will pass it to you because that was just after the Fukushima nuclear power plant disaster. So, once again, not for the first time. I'm sure there's been plenty of nuclear anxiety in Japan in the past 60 years. But that was a huge disaster. And so Shin Godzilla comes in, and Godzilla kind of looks like a giant tumor. right? A lot of the imagery now is tsunamis. He's destroying things. It's senseless. He looks disgusting. Shin Godzilla was a very interesting Godzilla movie, but very effective. And as a fellow government worker, the fact that they have so many goddamn meetings in that movie (laughs) is so... (laughs) Perfectly appropriate, and my favorite gag in the entire thing, this is the last thing I'll say before I give it to you, Matt, is that the main character, well, sort of the main character, that his list of titles just keeps growing because it's like, oh, you seem capable. Just add more shit on to the end of his name. So Shin Godzilla is a very good movie, uh, and Matt, I want to hear what you thought about it. As I, 
not as big, not that I'm a huge Godzilla fan, but as someone who was kind of fresher to the series. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm fairly new to Godzilla in general. Like I watched the, the pretty bad 1998 one when I was younger and like, I've never seen any of the like old Godzilla movies. The first mo Godzilla movie I saw after the like original American one was Shin Godzilla like three weeks ago. Um, but Shin Godzilla is fantastic. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's very anti-government. It's ba it's like Godzilla shows up, destroys some stuff, and then we watch the government be inept for like 45 minutes, and then he shows up and destroys more stuff, and then the government continues to be inept <laughs> for the rest yep. of the movie. Um, and But like, I don't know, I, I really like... I, I sort of lean less into the like cool big monsters fighting stuff, and I kind of really like the Godzilla as like a symbol of like the bomb basically in Japan. Um, like, I, I don't know. I've gotten really into it the last few, few weeks. So if people know more, please tell me that I'm wrong. But what I had learned in doing a bit of research was like post-World War II, um, when the U.S. was still occupying Japan, they had like super strict censorship laws about World War II in general, but specifically about the atomic bombs. You like could not even mention it. There was like nothing to do with that in any Japanese media or art. And they wanted to make a movie about the atomic bombs, but it just wouldn't be allowed. So they made they made a movie about a giant monster um, with who is powered by this sort of nuclear thing that basically did the exact same thing to Japan that the bombs had done. And I, I really like that aspect of Godzilla and less the like cool giant fighting monsters um, bit, although that can certainly be a lot of fun. Um, and so like between Shin Godzilla and, and Godzilla minus one, it's really leaned into the aspects of Godzilla that I like a lot. Um, you know, it's just sort of like this unstoppable force that like is very cool to see, but like you're really not rooting for Godzilla um, as I know you do in, in some of the older ones. Um, but yeah, my, minus one, I, I was I was looking forward to it a lot. I had heard very good things, and it I was still very pleasantly surprised at this one. It, it really kind of blew me away. Yeah, you got it. Godzilla should be a metaphor. That's how he was in the original Gojira in 1954. Just looked up the, the date just to be correct. And uh, it, it kind of disappeared, as you just said. It just became monster movies, which is still entertaining, but in a different way. And then Shin Godzilla and brings that back, and then Godzilla Minus One comes in. And it's interesting because Shin Godzilla kind of ends and you're like, will there be more? Well, clearly not. Because Godzilla Minus One is basically if they wanted it to be, and they left it kind of open, right, with the ending, which you won't spoil. Mm -hmm. But if they wanted it to be, this could be the start of a franchise because this is as clear a reset as you'll ever see. I didn't necessarily know going in that it was going to be a period piece, but this is essentially a retelling of gojira this is post world war ii the movie is absolutely tied to the trauma of world war ii yeah uh, it's yeah it's not just symbolic in this one it's like explicit with many yes. of the characters and just the the time that it's set in exactly it's i mean it's it's a wonderful film it's a one and it works on so many levels it works on the if the physical i mean this movie is somehow made for 15 million dollars it's fantastic 
uh, without spoiling too much again, because I'm trying to sell Adam on seeing this, because Adam, I think you would... Well, you know what? Let's turn it to you, Adam, right now. When's the last time you saw a Godzilla movie? Because you were there when we were kids. You were there with me playing Godzilla King of Monsters. Yeah. You watched Godzilla 2000. Yeah, I watched is Godzilla this, 2000. Is this something that appeals I, to you? Uh, I watched... I watched the new one, the, what was it? Careful when you say new one, if you mean the 2014 one with Aaron Taylor Johnson, because. Oh, Christ, like was it 2014, was it that long ago? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah so that everyone one. was like, Brian Cranston, this new Godzilla movie? Joke's on you. <laughs> yeah, the, well, wasn't, was, there was a sequel to that one, right? There were two? There's three. Three. It was that one, and then Godzilla and a TV King show of the Monsters, now. where he thought, yeah, where he fought King Ghidorah, and yeah, then I remember that. that same Godzilla then fought King Kong in 2021, and that was what brought people back to the theaters mid-pandemic, and then yes, there's a TV show, Monarch Legacy of Monsters, which we just watched the first episode of the other day, actually. It's not bad. Okay. Well, I, I didn't see King Kong, but I saw the other two. Um... Oh, well, at this point, you gotta see Godzilla versus King Kong. I always like it's like the most dumb spectacle I at the most openly dumb spectacle maybe I've ever seen <laughs> in a theater. Or did I even watch it in a theater? But like the the glory of of minus 1 especially as opposed to the Americans one the true majesty of minus 1 is I've never cared about human characters more than in Godzilla minus 1. Like oh, they're, Aaron Taylor they're Johnson's amazing. He's a great actor. Brian, Brian Cranston's a great actor. Elizabeth Olsen, great actor. Millie Bobby Brown, Brian Tyree Henry, Kyle Chandler. I can name off all the sub-characters' names. I couldn't name a single character name, though. Just the actors. They're all great actors. I couldn't give a shit about any one of them. Maybe the girl, who had Gia, who is friends with King Kong in the King Kong movies. She's kind of close. But, uh, man, I was tearing up in, I was hoping Godzilla would stay away so I could see more human characters. What the fuck? How does that happen? <laughs> That's not yeah. how that's supposed to work. to me how that happens. Oh, yeah, because even in Shin Godzilla, which is a movie that I love, I don't care about the characters in that movie, right? It's it's really all about Godzilla. Man, do I fucking care about these characters. B b like, every single named character in this movie... I love and want to see more of them and like really, really don't want them to die. Like the, the yes. characters are great. I cried twice during this movie just from like dialogue, not even like character deaths or anything, just dialogue scenes two times made me cry in this movie, which is not something that I ever expected from Godzilla. You cried in a Godzilla movie. Yeah, me wow. neither. Twice? I, got, I got pretty misty eyed too. Yeah. It, I mean, it's 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 very very good. But also, I called it out. I'm gonna give myself a little pat on the back because when we were watching it in theaters, I turned to Kian and I said, "So this is Jaws, huh? Like when they have the four guys on the boat." Um, and I also thought there were a few things that were brilliant. We'll stay away from spoiler wise for Adam. But first of all, I I thought that it was brilliant that it's it started and then you have like a little scene and then Godzilla was like right fucking there. That actually really caught me off guard. I was like, okay. Yeah, I didn't expect that at all. We'll I was almost a little bit in. disappointed at first, but I think it worked. Yeah, I would say it worked too. Uh, and then you have another scene later where he's kind of trashing a town. But the fact that the ending, that the fact that so much of the movie was set on water, 
uh, that probably helped them save budget, to be honest, and the fact that the ending was on water. But then, like, we've seen Godzilla destroy Tokyo. It's even in the song, the Blue Oyster Cult song. Well, <laughs> no, there goes Tokyo, right? Yes. We've seen it happen. Do we need to see it again? Or is something, this new and exciting and different thing, does that work really well? But sorry, I'm, I'm getting too distracted. The fact that you had this wonderful dynamic between the young war veteran who's got a ton of trauma, who's, you know, a good soldier, good at his job, good shooting, you got him... You got the old caring doctor, you got the, you know, grizzled sea captain, and then you have the young buck. It's like, this isn't exactly Jaws, but holy shit, it's close. And for the people out there, including you two, I know I got onto a Jaws tangent like six months ago. It's not just the shark movie. It's a goddamn masterpiece for a reason. So I watch this, and I'm like, this is Jaws. And then it makes you care about them the same way it does in Jaws, and I open up the Wikipedia page, and Wikipedia, of course, is where we get all our factual information. And they listed up uh, three influences, one of which was Jaws. So I'm like, there you go. They made Jaws again. And it works. But I also thought, Matt, was there a little bit of Top Gun in here too? Top Gun Maverick? Wasn't the beauty of Top Gun Maverick that you really understood the plan? In this one, they give you a perfectly understandable plan, and then they follow it through. And it's it works because you can follow... Sorry, I'm going all over the place. But a lot of this movie really works. Yeah, the, the action is very clear. Like you said, they, you know the plan. So when things are happening, you know step by step what's going to happen, but not in a way that, like, it doesn't feel predictable. It just feels like it's easy to follow and you can sort of, um, uh, things just sort of happen logically. Um, but, like, the plan itself is also pretty unique. Like, that's not something I've seen done before in a monster movie. Um, so it was, I don't know. I, I, th I thought it was kind of cool. And the, the individual characters arcs weave into that plan so well, like every character in this movie had a satisfying arc. It all fit seamlessly into the plot and sort of like to be interconnected with each other. Every character in this had some kind of moment where I just went like, yeah, like it just, it made me feel made me feel something good or sad or whatever for like basically every named character uh in the movie the 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 characters and the plot worked really well together i also i mean i completely agree with everything you just said and one of the things i love when movies do for example one of my favorite movies ever the martian does this i love when a movie knows not to fuck around with like useless information there's no fat on this movie whatsoever. The, like, the sea captain doesn't have, like, a long speech about his wife back home or something, right? Like, we all understand the characters are here. They're all traumatized from the war. Most of them are veterans. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, of Chernobyl, in a way, actually, when they have, like, the people are going to rise up because the governments are stupid. I love that scene. But yeah. there's, there's really no fat on here. You know what you need to know to care about people, and then they stay in that pocket. The entire time which yeah. is brilliant and yet all the characters have a backstory have a fairly like rich backstory you know a lot about all of them but it's done really efficiently like no one has a flashback showing what happened but like you know everyone's individual backstory and their backstories are actually applicable to their their current situation it's not just like oh yeah and back here i did this unrelated thing to make me seem interesting like 
their backstories all relate it's all done super efficiently and quick and you kind of love all of them you do speaking of loving characters this is one of the if not the best looking godzilla i think i've ever seen the american one looks fantastic too i was watching a, a documentary earlier today on it because i'm just now in that zone this is my new hyperfixation. And they were talking about when they redesigned it for America, Gareth Edwards said, like, this is now going to be a big deal. We need the silhouette to be a big deal. And apparently one of the things they worked on was they wanted Godzilla to... They, uh, one of the final touches was they gave him an eagle-like face. That's how they put it. And if you look at the American Godzilla, goddammit, they do kind of have an, evil, an eagle-like face. Uh, and it works, but... That's not the way the Japanese one looked. I think this looks like the classic Godzilla, but updated. It's in CGI, and it's for $15 million, but he looks fantastic. He's terrifying the way a predator should be. Like, the scenes in the water where Godzilla is chasing them, and you just see the eyes, I was like, holy shit, that thing is going to murder the hell out. Like, it doesn't feel anything for these people. This is just an animal. And that's where it's at. It's most terrifying. He looked as good as he's ever looked. Yeah, I think Godzilla looks great in this one. From the trailers, I wasn't 100% sure because they, they have a couple of shots where he looks... His trailer shots are sort of him at his most mobile in the movie. And so I wasn't sure because I really liked um, Shin Godzilla's version of Godzilla, which is fairly st like stiff and very... like. Um, uh, I mean, monsters, obviously, because he's a giant monster, but it, it, it's almost like a weird, stiff kind of look, but I think it really worked. So then when they had, like, this sort of fast-moving Godzilla in the trailer, like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, but yeah, it it really works. His The movement looks great. Um, yeah, he, like, he looks evil. Like, Godzilla's eyes, I don't think, have ever been this expressive. Um, and, like, he looks like he wants to hurt people like Godzilla looks scary in this movie beyond just like oh he's gonna wreck a bunch of stuff like he's he's properly scary yeah they did a great job I mean it's it's wonderful to see one of the kings I mean we talked about it there's a weird I think maybe it's just me maybe it's the painkillers I don't know I'm seeing a weird relationship between Godzilla and Nintendo like this thing that's just been enduring for so long been part of the cultural conversation for so long but because ultimately the people who are making it are treating it with care and love it will continue to be a part of the cultural conversation because it's so dominant and as wonderful as it is to see the american movies because i love hollywood blockbusters and and their nonsense good god is it exciting to see japan making these wonderful pieces of cinema you probably already knew this matt but shin godzilla swept the japanese oscars basically. It won Best Picture that year for the Japanese Oscars. And here's the final question for you before we move on to something Adam can actually talk about. The last... Correct me if I'm wrong. The last non-American movie that dominated the uh, the Oscar conversation was Parasite. That was one of the ones where everyone was like, holy shit. Like, you need to go ahead and see this. Right? Mm -hmm. Is Godzilla Minus One at parasite level in your opinion i think i i honestly i in quality i think so i don't know if it'll get that recognition because it's a monster movie um 
but like this is probably the best movie I've seen this year. Um, so I would not be upset if it got that kind of thing. Apparently, I heard it wasn't submitted for the Oscars this year. Oh, no. Um, but, uh, as I have also learned, apparently foreign language films have an extra year to apply, so it could get in for next year's Oscars. Um, but yeah, apparently they didn't submit it for this year, so we're unlikely to, to actually see it for this year. But in terms of quality, yeah, I, I think it's up there. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I would be shocked if it doesn't win Best Foreign Language Film, and like, I don't think they would be crazy in submitting it for like Best Picture. I agree too. Yeah, I like when I when I hit Kiana with that question, we both kind of had the same thought about it, and that was Adam. Have you seen Parasite, by the way? No, I haven't. No. Oh wow. Jeez. I I have heard of it, Parasite. but I have not seen it. Parasite's. It's pretty darn good, uh, but Parasite's horror. It's like truly horrifying at certain parts. Like it's entertaining in some parts. It's it's a witty. It's funny, but then also it's like sick to your stomach, horrifying in some parts, but in a new way. I hadn't seen anything before Parasite that was quite like Parasite. I hadn't seen. I haven't seen anything after Parasite that was quite like Parasite. Parasite kind of stands alone as disturbing in its own specific way. I wonder if this will get knocked down some pegs because it's basically. Gojira, the original 1954, but 70 or 69 years later. Or I guess they said this was the 70th anniversary, right? That was what the point was? It was the 70th anniversary? I think so. So we'll round up and we'll say 70. Maybe it uh, released early in Japan or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm wondering if it'll lose some points maybe in that it's, it's a fucking masterful retread, but nothing in here... Nothing in here is breaking new ground in what they do. It's just the best it's ever been at the things that it does. The action is as good as it's ever been. The characters are leaps and bounds better than they've ever been. Godzilla looks fantastic. We talked about it briefly, but the music is amazing. I mean, Godzilla is it's so strong 70 years later. And it is so good at instilling dread. And this is how it should be used. But... Again, is it new enough to wow people the way Parasite was? That's the only place, honestly, that I can think that it would make a that it would be have a, a knock against it. Because otherwise, like everything, this movie working on a physical, metaphorical, like I talked about earlier, every level of this movie is working on it's hitting tens, in my opinion. Yeah, the the themes are super strong and work really well with the characters. But yeah, you're right. There's no real new themes here. Um, and I think that kind of helps the movie actually be efficient. And it's just like, you can get like a one or two second or sentence backstory on someone and you know, the themes, the history well enough that you just understand that character now in like a pretty deep way. Um, so I think it actually kind of works to the movie's advantage in how like lean and efficient it can be. Um, but like, the you know what hollywood does love uh, you know bringing back some classics sometimes so it's possible like if they lean into you know a retelling of of like an old um sort of artistic classic i i could see that working in its favor too to be honest yeah yeah that's a good point i do there's something that i i quite desperately want to talk about it does kind of involve spoiling at least part of the ending 
So Adam, are you going to go see this like tomorrow? Or can I talk about this? Can you close your eyes? Or uh, yeah, I'll, it'll be fine. Ears? It'll be fine, yeah. yeah. Uh, the story is good, but you're not necessarily seeing this explicitly for the story. Matt, what did you think of the sort of Guardians of the Galaxyification of what if everyone survived? Because I think it's actually maybe my favorite part of the movie. Oh, I, I love it, actually. Um, I think with... You kind of have the heaviness of the characters' backstories and just the general setting of post-war Japan. Like, the movie is very heavy throughout, and I don't think that I needed to see a bunch of people die to feel bad for these people. Um, I think it might have been too much of a downer. <laughs> so I actually really love that they live. and Because that's also a big theme of the movie is like the importance of like preservation of life, right? Cause, you know, during the war, Japan just sort of literally in some cases threw that away. And so, like, the importance of life is, like, a major theme in this movie. So I think it actually works perfectly that they basically all live. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, when we're watching this, so we've got Mr. Sikishima, who's such an... I was just screaming that name for, like, hours and hours afterward at my dog. He was going outside. I'm like, Mr. Sikishima, it's time to come inside. That's such a... I'll never forget his name, that's for sure. But the entire time I'm thinking this, like, metaphor-wise, theme-wise... All those other pretentious words wise this movie's firing on all cylinders but where is this going because nuclear war is terrifying america is annoying which is i think an important part of this too that the americans don't really help and so thematically i thought it was really important that the movie ends on a hopeful note gojira doesn't really the original 1954 doesn't really end on a hopeful note to be honest because it was too new right but I thought it would be better for this movie if it ended on more of a hopeful note of Japan can take care of itself, these characters can take care of themselves, and they're all, they spend, it's a two-hour movie, they spend like the first hour and 50 minutes of it in such a dark place that I was like, it would be a really bold choice that I would respect if it still ended up in a dark place because the world kind of sucks. But I think it's better for me emotionally and better for the story thematically that they found a way to finish the arcs in a satisfying way, but have all the characters kind of turn toward hopefulness. I don't know, maybe that's too schmaltzy for Adam, but I'm trying to stay vague still, so we don't totally spoil everything. But the fact that they were, the guy who's the doc when he's laying out the plan was he was like, no, 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 it's not a death mission. If this goes right, no one dies. That's the plan. This is, we're not, they, I mean, they make it explicit in the film. We're not doing kamikaze anymore, right? We're not willingly throwing people's lives away. They have the stat, which I'm hopeful is true because I'm just going to trust the movie, but was shocking to hear in the theaters that half of the people who died in World War II on Japan's side were from poor supply lines. That's unbelievable. So they're done with government throwing lives away. No, it's going to be run by the people and we're going to make lives important. Every single person matters. No one should have to sacrifice themselves. I was very impressed at how they pulled off that theme and the way this movie ended yeah i really like that too like it's it's an explicit rejection of the way things were like these people are in such squalor at the beginning of the movie to just be like no we are not doing that this is like this is a new japan 
Like we are just rejecting the way that things were and we are going to do things our own way now. Like life matters, people matter. You know, the government won't help us. So like we are, we, we will do this ourselves, you know? And I, I think th thematically and with all the characters arcs and everything, I think it works really great. Um, I don't, there's nah, that I'll get into too spoilery, but yeah, I, I really like that, that they live. Okay, to finish it off with something Adam can talk about before we go into the Pokemon trivia. Adam, you played more. Uh, you played more Spider-Man. A little bit, yeah. I don't think I forgot about Spider-Man. How far have you gotten in? And did the things that we say last week, which you probably already forgotten, were those correct? How are you enjoying it so far? Uh, I have already forgotten what we said last week. Um, but I think we said the gameplay is fun, but the story didn't grab us as hard. Did you? Did you get to the theme park yet? Yes, and I've done the theme park. Did you go on the roller coaster? I, I, I did all the rides at the theme park. Hey! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Wasn't or maybe I skipped one. Nice I did like most of them, but yeah. I think I, I, I might have done them all. Okay. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I did. I did the theme park. Don't worry about that part. Yeah. How are you enjoying it? I, I, I agree with that. I and think should it have won something in the game awards? It, no, it it definitely shouldn't have won anything. Um. Maybe, like, even the accessibility thing, I was expecting, after how you guys had hyped it up, I was actually expecting it to be more. Um, although, it still had a lot, and that was good. Um, I have been stubbornly staying on no swing assist. Uh, yeah, even when you slam into the ground constantly, as I'm sure you do. I wouldn't say constantly, but yeah, it definitely happens. Um... And, uh, and I've actually gotten quite a bit of use out of the wings. Like, a lot of the times, I will do a couple of swings, get some height, and then, like, glide over a street and then start swinging again. Like, I use it as a as a jump boost, essentially. Oh. So they've been quite handy in, in that regard. But, yeah, I, I, the... Yeah, How's Craven? Barely fucking here. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... Like, uh, it, you the, see what we were saying? Isn't that what yeah. we both agreed on? That it needs a first act villain. Well, it needs it needs something to fucking happen. Like I've done so many side quests because like the main story isn't really interesting because like they're teasing. They spend like I don't know. I'm like twenty hours in or something, and they're still teasing me about Harry and uh, Venom. And Craven's like done nothing since the very start. I've just been beating up his apparently infinite legion of henchmen. Um, he must have a great benefits package. If yeah, like holy henchmen. cow! I, I think Matt, you were the one who said it last week that it's it seemed like it should have been someone in the one act spot, and then Craven can still be in the background, and then Craven in the second act spot, and then Venom in the third act spot. Instead, it's kind of. Craven in the second into third act spot, and then Venom in the finale, more or less. Yeah, because Craven's sort of like he's around in the background through like the whole first bit, but you don't interact with him. So like the villains of the early game are really just henchmen, and yeah. you don't really know why they're there. You just know that they're there and they're bad, so you should stop them. But like, there's there isn't really a visible villain for the first like quarter of the game or so. Yeah, and I think I rushed through the story missions because I just kept expecting something to happen. And then it got to the point where, like, Adam, you said you were about 20 hours in. That's how long it took me to finish the game. 
And because I kept, I was kind of mainlining the story, expecting something to happen, and then once something did happen, it seemed to be important that I resolved it right away. So, yeah, it's just got a weird flow to it. Like, it, yeah, it needed Kingpin or, like, Sandman to be a bigger threat. Like, the Sandman intro is cool. But can he do something? Like, Black Cat's there for a minute in a really cool scene. And then she's gone. But where's Taskmaster? Can we, can we get get something? I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, I feel like there could have been like an early game boss to attract Craven and bring Craven in. Would have been, I, I just assumed that's what it was because that kind of feels yeah. obvious. Um, but yeah, there was definitely I, I felt the lack of of a, an actual kind of like present villain that I was actively fighting against for the first good chunk of the game. Man, that would have been a lot of fun. Like you had, I I, I don't know who I have picked. I mean, I, like it's probably too obvious to have done one of the goblins or something. Actually. Just do the scorpion. Now scorpion's too lame. Like pick one of the villains, maybe vulture. I don't know. Have him be really annoying, and then at the end of the first act, you beat you beat him up, and then he's about to get carted off to prison, and Craven just shows up and fucking murks him, and then it's like there's act two, bitches. Like that would have been something. That'd be a really cool reveal, of yeah. Like- you know, uh, of a step up of the villains. Like, oh, this guy you've been fighting for the last 10 hours? <laughs> he just got one shot by the actual villain. Yeah. That would be good. Anyway, but it, you'll finish the game, and then we'll see where that goes. For now, I have Pokemon Trivia, which is kind of unique. There's been... um, th- what I, I just stole this from Reddit. I noticed that a lot of people on the Pokemon page, Reddit page, were doing this. This is not a trivia in that I'm asking you guys questions about facts. I'm asking you guys questions about you. Uh, So I have the uh, About You Pokemon page that I kind of want to go through out of curiosity for all three of us to see if there's any weird picks. So if you don't know, well, you'll, you'll pick it up right away. So out the gate, what's everyone's favorite Pokemon? Uh, ever? Yep. Mm, Don't take too long on this. Prob- I have like mine's probably Noivern. Although, at certain points in the past, I would have said Dragonair. Okay. Matt, a fellow dragon tamer, just like me. Respect? I, I think I, I think it's always been the same. I think it's still Alakazam. For 30 years. For 30 it's years. Been it's been Alakazam. And it just, other ones have come along and been like, oh yeah, that's cool, but no, it's... No, it, it carried me through uh, grade school, uh, like, the battles that we had with our friends, and I, I've never forgotten Alakazam's that. up there on my list, too. He's sick. By the way, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys this quiz, but and I want us not to take half an hour to answer it, because like I said, there's a lot of questions. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to check in next time and see if any of yeah, our yeah. answers have changed. Because I, I want to get your off-the-top-of-your-head answers, and then your... Uh, more deliberate answers later. Uh, who's your least favorite? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a tough question. That stupid fucking lipstick fish from Alola. Broxish. Um, Broxish. That was my pick, too. <laughs> Broxish? Yes. Oh, man. Fuck Broxish. Although, okay, so since you already took that, I'll go with... Uh, Adam, what's the steel grass type that you use in your games a lot? What, Ferrothorn? Oh, Ferrothorn? Ferrothorn. Ferrothorn. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my favorite's Gujra, but I'm sure everyone knew that. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say Ferrothorn. Not because of design, Bruxish wins that one, but just because of playing Adam. 
That's fair. Oh my god, I'm gonna. I I I will need like ten seconds just to to look because I'm I'm certain there's something in the later games that I'm like that design is no. fucking no, stupid. No no no. Off the top of your head, you could take you could take time to look for next week. Off the okay. top of your head, Adam, we need something. Ugh. I I can't think of I mean, one. Off the top of my head, that's the thing. Is like the, I don't. What's hate... the What's the name of the ultra beast that I used to piss you guys off? You guys hated that thing. The flying. It was a flying steel type. Oh, uh, Celestela. Yeah. Celestela. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, I hate fight that fucking thing. Oh man. Yeah. God, so I just looked a... up Bruxish on Google Image searches, and there's a Bruxish plushie that is just terrifying. Why? Who would what? do that? Why? That's just. Okay. Well, uh, uh, we'll go with Celestela. We'll pencil that in, then we'll yeah. We'll, we'll come, come back to it next week. Uh, first starter. Oh, like Bulbasaur. that we ever used? First starter ever. Yeah, yeah. Bulbasaur. Pikachu. No question. So you Pokemon Yellow was your first, man? Yeah. What? I didn't. I didn't play Pokemon Red and Blue till high school. Holy shit! Yeah, Yellow was my that. first. Yeah. yeah. Got it for Famously, my seventh birthday. Adam, Adam got blue version for his birthday. I cried like a bitch because I was five years old, and my dad went out and got me red version. And so my uh, first starter was Charizard. I know I've told that story before. First shiny. Oh wow! Uh, uh, my my first shiny was in an emulated run, and it was a Chimeco. My first actual shiny, uh, amazingly, was in like an actual game was Dunsparce. Oof. Okay. Don't you get given a shiny at some point? You like, get a red it... Gyarados in um, in silver and so, gold. Okay. Well, I think I have to put that down as my first then. <laughs> That would have been. I mean, I guess that is technically my first, but my first like actual found shiny. Have you guys ever uh, caught Pokeress? Yeah. Uh, yes. 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 Oh, well, I did. I, I did like competitive breeding for a while. I I have many Pokerest Pokemon. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I think I got. It. I acquired Pokerest, but I don't think I ever. Caught yeah. Actually, Pokerest I don't think I ever got it myself. I picked it up. <laughs> I picked yeah. it up online. Yeah. It's like an STD. My <laughs> first shiny, by the way, uh, Nidoran male. Back in like Ruby or Sapphire, whenever they first were. It's a good one. So it's like, oh shit, I should train you up. And then I never did. Because I couldn't figure out how to get Nidoking King to work. Favorite shiny. Ooh. There's Ooh, a couple there are of real a nice lot designs. Of good ones. I was mm. like, we can look it up later. Again, that's I kinda wanted to get the your off the top of your head opinions and later opinions. I think my favorite would probably be. I'm just gonna double check to confirm. Charizard, yeah, because it was my first Pokemon. Charizard black is Dragon sick. Is oh, just the, objectively the black good. Charizard, yeah, the black Charizard's awesome. That that might honestly be my end up being my pick too, because I I just can't think like I don't see them a lot. So that one is what's his name? Uh, Rayquaza has a similarly badass shiny for oh, the same reason. Yeah, the black, yeah, black, black almost always works. Metal as fuck. I I it's a little bit. I, I kind of like the simple shinies, where it's just a small change. I really like shiny Umbreon, that just has light blue rings instead of yellow rings. Mm -hmm. But also shiny Aegislash is also sick. It's like a black sword with a red like blood outline. Oh, well, I don't know if okay. I've ever seen. Well, the keep that in mind for next week. I gotta have to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, off the top of my well, head, we'll, I think we'll, I gotta we'll go Charizard too. Sure. Yeah, Charizard's totally fine. Favorite mythical and/or legendary. Oh, Articuno. Yeah. I didn't oh, I was also probably going to say Articuno. Articuno. If I if I was going to say something else, maybe Xerneas. I really like Xerneas. 
Xerneas is good. Off the top of my, I mean, I'm going to go through, I probably forgot one that I have like a deep emotional connection to. I've kind of always had a soft spot for Ho-Oh. First of all, I have little yeah, brother because I'm literally a little brother and Lugia was always cooler. Lugia had the uh, anime movie about it, right? Ho-Oh was just like that flying chicken that no one respected, especially when Stealth Rocks became a thing. <laughs> but Ho-Oh's cool. Ho-Oh revives things. Ho-Oh has power over life and death, essentially. No one... People don't talk about that enough. That he created the legendary cats. Not dogs, you animals. Created the legendary cats out of Eevees. That's just that's just cool as shit. Ho needs more respect. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Ho. My uh, tentative pick. Yeah, Ho is a good one. Ho doesn't need respect. Least favorite shiny. Least favorite shiny? Yeah, I think I it's Zygarde that the shiny version it looks like toothpaste, so that's what I'm gonna go with. Get that Colgate shit out of here. I respect <laughs> that they at least tried something with Zygarde. I feel like my least favorite ones are the ones that like don't even fucking change. So I'm going to have to go with like Garchomp. It's such a waste. Could have been so cool. Yeah, Garchomp, just lighter blue. Yeah. Very disappointing. I think for a similar reason, I think mine is Espeon. Like, it's a color change, but it's not a good one. Yeah, especially when Umbreon's is so cool. Oh, yeah, I, I like Espeon. Espeon. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. Uh, Pokemon that you love that everybody hates. Well, apparently fucking Fortress. <laughs> uh, but Or uh, I think people <laughs> like a fair authority. I just don't like fair playing yeah, yeah, that's true. Pokemon that I... Well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. Articuno. He gets no fucking respect. Partially, mostly because Ice is a terrible type. That's true. Yeah, I could just throw in Ho here again, I guess. But I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm yeah, trying to think, of, a, to think of one, to be honest. I'm trying to think of a generally um, trash Pokemon that I just adore anyway. Um, well, the example and that I'm reading off, the person listed Zubat as a classic pick. Everyone hates Zubat. Like, I'll, here's what I'll go with. I like, I'm a big fan of the Tentacool line. I really wish we got like a Tentacracken. I think that would be a cool third, third evolution form? for that yeah, line. Oh, I never knew I wanted that until right now. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did not want that until this moment, and now I want it a lot. <laughs> Because the name oh, that's great. is right there. Yeah, it is right there. It's a gift from me to you, Nintendo. So I'll, I'll use that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good choice, the, the tentacle line. We'll come back to it, Adam. Pokemon yeah. that you love that everyone hates. Or sorry, reverse that. Pokemon that you hate that everyone loves. Oh, okay. Um, Dragonite. What? Oh. You picked Dragonite <laughs> first in like our... Because you love Dragonair so much? Well, because right? he's... Well, I mean, okay, Dragonite, don't get me wrong, is very good. And, you know, I, I have used him... I have gotten a good use of Dragonite over the years. But, like, I I love how, like, elegant Dragonair is. And, like, it's such a natural evolution from Dratini. And then it just turns into, like, Puff the Magic Dragon. And he's so just, like, doofy and silly. I don't actually hate Dragonite, but just, like, compared to expectations, he's just not what I wanted after Dragonair. That's fair. All right. I'm gonna... Also, I, you, you won me over. That was a good answer. I'm also gonna pick a dragon. I'm gonna pick Garchomp. And not because, like... Oh, I, really? I think its design is fine, but just... I happened... When I played a lot of competitive Pokemon happened to also be when he was the top meta thing and i'm just like every fucking battle it's a garchomp just go away oh i got so sick of him yeah i also think garchomp's a little overrated but fair enough i will probably pick well i'll pick either zashian or mewtwo like a slash between both they're probably zashian because i have no emotional attachment to him 
but just for what he's done to the competitive scene in every game that he's in. Yeah, that's fair. Fuck you, Sassian. Also, fuck you, dog holding a sword. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. we have had so many better designs than that. Like, yeah, Zashian is going to go in there, and that'll probably stay in there uh, next next week. Fa- first favorite Pokemon. What was your first favorite oh, Pokemon? Oh, there's Alakazam again. That one doesn't have to change. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah, Alakazam was actually probably my first favorite Pokemon, too. Yeah, I would have said it was my favorite Pokemon for a long time. I, I mean, obviously Charizard, because it was my starter. And then I was a big fan of my... I had, like, a favorite Pokemon every generation. And then I was a big fan of Typhlosion, because it would go up against Adam's Ampharos. That was our own personal little... Uh, oh, yeah, there's there's my answer for what I love and everyone hates. Ampharos. I was Ampharos? so happy. Yeah, I was so happy Ampharos? it got Omega. Well, that's just kind of shit, right? So nobody uses True. it. Yeah, but then for a while it was Blaziken, and then for uh, after that it was Obama Snow. I literally liked Obama Snow. Again, a Pokemon that I wish was better. Oh, I've got Omega too. I like Obama Snow too. It's just so hard to use. It's a good design. Just they made really it better. Nice design. Yeah, uh, and then so one of those would probably be perfect. Random Pokemon that you like. Is there like something that doesn't get talked about? It's not your favorite, but you kind of like it. This guy picked Trapinch. That's a good pick. Like online is like one of those that everyone has like positive feelings about it, but not too many people are like saying it's their favorite. I I love Galvantula. I think he's so cool. Yes. Every chance I get to use Galvantula, I use it. Yeah. I yes, uh, man. Consider your wife hates spiders. I'm a little bit surprised (laughs) you're saying that, but I I love the spider Pokemon design so much. I wish literally any of them were good. Yeah, I I used Galvantula in my my first run of Black and White. I had a Galvantula. Uh, named Louie for Louie the Lightning Bug. Uh, and he, uh, it was that's one of my favorite playthroughs I've ever had. It was great. Also, Saw's Buck is great from Gen 5. Very good. I'm going to... It's not a copy, because I'm going to say Joltik instead of Galvantula. <laughs> Joltik's one of the greatest designs ever. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Shedinja. I love that idea. Yeah, they haven't really gone back to that well again. By the way, people, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Game Over, uh, Nerds of the North Podcast. Not Game Over anymore. Uh, man, how many years has it been since that? Nerds of the North Podcast. And let us know what your About You Pokemon is. I'm curious. Uh, favorite type? Psychic. Well, I, I, I want to say Ice, but it's so bad. Yeah, I was also going to say Ice. I really like Ice. It's so bad. We need to fix it. Unbalanced by design and concept, Ice is probably my favorite, but it is hard to use sometimes. Yeah, like, I'm I'm torn because I love, like, my favorite Pokemon are Dragon type, and I love a lot of the Dragon Pokemon. Um, But I think my favorite type is actually Bug. Oh, terrible type lovers enjoy. Cool stuff. But it's so, yes! it's also <laughs> atrocious. There's if been some be really Pokemon... cool bug Pokemon in the last couple of generations. They're they're really trying to do something with it. Yes, yes, it's a great type with wonderful designs. And if I could be a, a ironically in real life, I don't particularly like bugs. But when they get big like that, that I find them easier to stomach. Uh, if I could be a gym leader, I'd probably be a bug type gym leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, speaking fossil... of ice and a throwback to the last category, I really love Aurorus. Yes! Aurorus and Tyrantrum, I think, are the best set of fossils. Absolutely atrocious, but yes, I love the design, love the idea. Yeah, Tyrantrum's great. Well, is that your favorite fossil? Because that's the next question. (sighs) No, I think it still has to be Kabutops. I have such a soft spot for him. Kabutops is cool. 
I think Tyrantrum is my favorite fossil Pokemon. I, I think I've said this before, but I have I have a shiny Tyrantrum called King K Runch, who is <laughs> one of my favorite Pokemon oh, to that's ever amazing. use. It's so good. And it's even a good shiny. I mean, Cradilly's the only fossil that I've ever used with regularity. If I had to pick on design-wise, it would probably be Aurorus, but I gotta give some respect to my boy Cradilly, because I do love do love that stupid little little worm. Least favorite uh, legendary or mythical. I won't Ooh. use Zashian again. Yeah. Th- this guy's pick was that like new version of uh, Raikou with like the giga long neck. It's hard to argue with. Yeah. I mean, honestly, any of the, any of the fucking, the what are they called? The paradox forms. I think that whole mechanic is stupid. Um. But. If I'm if I'm picking a, a least favorite legendary, I think I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go with Zemazenta. I'll pick the other one because it's like it's Zashin, but somehow even worse. Yeah, but somehow people even gave less of a shit. We didn't think that was possible. It was never supposed to be. Fair enough, Matt. Yeah, my least favorite is probably Eternatus, just because like he's such an afterthought. Like I don't think anybody remembers him. He's just so so bland doesn't even feel like a Pokemon, but yeah, I also am not a fan of Zashin and Zamazenta. Yeah. Also, pa- okay. Dialga and Palkia, not my favorites. They're they're pretty low on the list too. Pretty boring. Yeah. yeah, I agree. We'll come back to that one. Least favorite type. Ooh, normal. It's just I've come around. There's so normal. few interesting normal Pokemon. I mean, Adam, yeah, you had to go up against my normal team for a long time, so you know that normal can can get it done. Yeah. Least favorite. I I think I'm going to go with Rock. It's a decent type, but I don't like the move sets. Like, can you get an accurate, strong move, please? Yeah, A lot of them are just, like, Rock, Ground, Boring. I inevitably ditch whatever early game Rock Pokemon I have. They almost never stay in my group. I'm going to also say Rock, but mostly just because it shouldn't exist. Like we don't need two <laughs> Earth types, one of you needs to go away, and I and I vote for Rock. Well, there you go. Hard to argue with that logic. Uh, favorite Mega. Oh man, there's so many good choices. The next one, for the record, while we're thinking about Megas, is least favorite Mega. I think I would probably give, like, I. This is what I'm going to go with. I'll come up with a better one next week if we remember to come back to this. But I think I might give Garchomp my least favorite Mega with because it's just like, what if a four-year-old drew Garchomp with even bigger <laughs> yeah. claws and bigger spikes? Yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, isn't in the Mega description somewhere that it's really unpleasant for the Pokemon to do? And in Garchomp, it kind of looks like it. Like, he just becomes kind of a, a monster. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump onto the least favorite one first because I know what that is. Mega Latias and Latios. Fuck off with the... Like the jet oh, plane, yeah. uh, and they look the fucking same. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. A strictly a downgrade in terms of design, right? Because yeah. originally they were kind of this beautiful mix. Yeah. Oh, there's so many good ones. It's it's really hard to. I pick. think my favorite mega, probably Mega Mawile. That's a good choice. I think oh. it's just like a natural evolution. It doesn't feel like it's just a bunch of tacked on shit like some of them are. And like also really good. I put in some work with Mega Mawile in battles. Yeah. 
I think for You're a, right. Gonna have to go back to the mega list for sure. I'm mm-hmm. gonna for a combination. I think of great design and also utility. I think I'm gonna go with Mega Beedrill. Beedrill's yeah. great. Yeah. Beedrill. I, I also really a, like Pidgeot. I was yeah, gonna say that. Pidgeot. that was that was a also lot of the, the Megas. Megas that took an already great Pokemon and then turned it into Giga Great. Boring. Megas that took a Pokemon that was kind of shit and then made it exciting. I'm here for that. And so in that line, and I'll, I'll pick this as my Mega, because I like the design. It's fairly simple. Took a Pokemon that was shit, and also I crushed both of you with it several times. Mega Kangaskhan. Yeah, Mega oh, Kangaskhan. Yeah. For a Mega long Kangaskhan. time there, I was a Hon- menace with my Mega Kangaskhan. Such Honestly, a simple concept, but it works so well. All of the first-gen Megas are great. Like, yeah. the, the, all the starters, Alakazam, Slowbro, Gengar, Kangaskhan, Pinsir, I have pulled up the list. Uh, Pinsir, Gyarados, I, I really don't like Mewtwo's. Aerodactyl. He looks like he has some kind of disease. Okay, well, oh, fine. I'll grant yeah. you that one's not necessarily a winner, but the rest I really like. Yeah, in general, they're great. And then uh, favorite, last one, uh, favorite region. Mm, Hoenn? Yeah, Hoenn. It's got Still, the most stuff even to now, do. after all this time? It's got always always I, yeah i agree they were a favorite games back in the day just like you it had i mean it's got cool mechanics it's got going underwater going over water it's like they haven't really done the dive mechanics since then it had the treehouse areas it had like the secret bases it was the first ones to do that holland it's got a lot going for it and also omega ruby alpha sapphire maybe the last legitimately universally agreed upon great pokemon game yeah well, sorry, Arceus, everyone was like, this shit is dope. But that wasn't like a mainline Pokemon game. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to go with Hoenn, too. It, it's real yeah. good. Honorary mention to Johto, but... Yeah, I agree. Jo- uh, Johto is what I was going to say second, if if I'd been stuck there. Um, I really like... Like, because Johto was the chance where it, it finally fleshed out... Uh, like, it fleshed out a bunch of stuff that just wasn't in... Mm-hmm kanto and you got to go back to kanto to compare like that's just so good Mm -hmm. yeah that was brilliant okay so keep those questions in mind i'll post them in the chat so you can uh come back to it later but everyone else i think that'll do it for this week so if we don't record another episode before the holidays happy holidays merry christmas merry happy kwanzaa happy festivus for the rest of us uh happy hanukkah whatever else other ones i'm missing May you get whatever gifts you're looking for under whatever foliage you have. <laughs> my Christmas tree is about eight inches tall, for example, and it's next to my front door. No presents are fitting under that thing. But everyone out there, have a great week. Have a safe week. I'm going to try and take that advice personally. <laughs> so I think last time I was coming off of like a almost, almost broken finger, and now I have fractured ribs. Jesus Christ. Okay. Everyone out there has a great week, have a safe week, and we will see you next time.